sing for you, yeah. With your life, I'd do anything for more, yeah, of your life, yeah. week on Whiskey and Things, we talk about some of the favourite sporting events we've ever been to and how we've managed to get into places we shouldn't have been. Naughty, naughty. And we're back space-side sampling the Dalwini 15-year single malt Scotch whiskey, and we hear the opinions and first geek stories from our whiskey god. And, of course, we love to hear your tasting notes, not just of the whiskey, but also of us. So if you think Nick is like a floral treat and Dave's a little bit more citrusy please let us know get in contact on our social media we are on Twitter and Facebook at Whiskey and Things and on Instagram at Whiskey and Things Podcast that's whiskey without an E I've always been described as a bit bitter (laughs) and remember you can rate review and subscribe on all your favourite podcast platforms why not play the field we're not judging it's been a long lockdown after all you're listening to the Whiskey and Things Podcast with Dave Giles and Nick Kent. All right, Nick, mate, I'm not going to lie. I, well, let's, should we do the proper intro? Yeah, we're going to uh, introduce each other, have a proper, you know, say hello to the lovely listeners, Dave. Just oh, bouncing okay, in let's, there. let's do this. Sorry, sorry, I am bouncing in. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to Whiskey and Things, episode 14. Hello. I'm Dave Giles. And I'm Nick Kent. What's with yes. this premature... Dave Asian going on here. I, it's, it's because it's because we've been sitting here for a while. We've just done Danny Gruff's quizzy bingo. We have, haven't we? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's quite it's quite late. It's, it's later than we normally stop. It's quite late. I've had a few Coronas and a couple of uh, doubles of um, Lafroig. I'm not going to lie. Well, yeah, on the Lafroig, I was I was drinking the Balvenie. Uh, I saw. Yeah, I saw. Look good. Yeah. Double enjoyed, cast. Enjoyed was that. it? Double cast. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 cheeky, yeah, yeah, yeah. Double yeah, cast. Yeah. Look at you over there with your double cast Balvenie. I know. I'm looking forward to when we get to do that one because I think you're going to love it. It was a birthday present from Hannah Beasley, which I'm very grateful for. And I've been having... Beasley? Beasley! I've been, uh, <laughs> been very much enjoying it. Good, good, good. Um, so, but thanks, yeah. Hannah. Uh, but yeah, so we've been doing that. Um, but before that, I put up that little video clip that we talked about last week, Nick. Yeah, it's been Facebook. an interesting week on social media, hasn't it, Dave? Especially Facebook. certainly has. Because you put up your little clip of you... 14 year old playing a wonderful little ditty which has no name apparently <laughs> I think it was called You Are I mean it makes sense but anyway You are my everything I mean what I the hell hold your hand I mean it's so bad Mate it's so bad The fact you're up there doing it and I heard plenty of young ladies screaming afterwards as well Yeah none of them wanted me uh, the, <laughs> you were like nine. The, the, fun, the funny thing, like I'm playing an acoustic guitar through a Marshall electric guitar amp. Awful, That's so good, uh, so bad. <laughs> like I think, I think the We've chords I'm it. playing a G, D, and C. But rather than playing open chords, I'm playing bar chords because clearly I wanted to show off that I could play a bar chord. <laughs> like it's just, it's horrendous. You want to it's, show and off that, the lyri- that strength uh, in not, your forefinger. Let's not even talk about how bad the lyrics and the voice and. All of that is, but you're right. I was Dude, I was doing it. I suppose it was a seed. It was a seed which has now grown into a wonderful career. But what we what we don't know yet is we haven't yet heard. We, we've discovered that there definitely are recordings oh. of of uh, 
Psycho- what was it called? What's the band called? <laughs> Psychosis. No, yes, Narcosis. Yes, listeners. Narcosis. Um, a couple of hours before we press record on this little session, um, the bassist of Narcosis, my good friend Mark Bartlett, left a little comment on Facebook saying he has MP3s of Narcosis, my old band when I was 17. I can't wait to hear to it. 15 or however long we were doing that. Man. And he's going to send them over to me. So I we'll can't see. Wait what happens with that we'll see. Uh, it's hilarious it only dawned on me just now that the band's called Narcosis yeah. and you fall asleep a lot Narcosis is about <laughs> falling asleep right never never twig <laughs> have I got that wrong is Narcosis not about that yeah it is yeah Yeah. Uh, oh no it's, then. it's a state of stupor drowsiness or unconsciousness produced by drugs so not quite alcohol's a drug yeah okay fair oh, enough oh yeah okay see, yeah it absolutely fits yeah. so um, thanks Mark <laughs> Oh, you one, buddy. A lot of people have got in t- contact, Nick, about their first gigs, which oh. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation about well, uh, good, last week. Um, so I think we should share some of these. Um, first of all, uh, Carla James got in contact, not to t- tell us her first gig, but actually to say that Dum Dums supported Bon Jovi at Wembley Stadium. There I was go. correct. We have uh, confirmation. And that she was there and Top Loader also was supporting. Oh. How, how's that for a bill? Good that. Dum Dum's top loader, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi played either the last gig at Wembley Stadium or the first gig at the new Wembley Stadium. What was that? Or or was it both? It might have been. They definitely did the last gig at the old Wembley Stadium. It was supposed to be Oasis, but they delayed knocking the stadium down for summer. It was all delayed. Uh, it was supposed to be Oasis. It was supposed to be the gig I was at, the Oasis gig I was at. But um, no. I'll, I'll read through some of these and. Uh, it, by all means, people feel free to to keep sending them in. It's, it's great to. Hear. I think first gig stories are fascinating because, especially doing what we do now, when you hear hear how how much like people's memories are so vivid of their first gig, and it plants a seed, which means they keep going to gigs for the rest of their life, or they get a yeah. the bug. Right? I mean, definitely, I did, even though I was really young. Do you know your musical taste, Dave, is programmed in your brain around fourteen years old? Yeah, I remember you telling me that. So the stuff you listened to back then. That's where your kind of taste comes from. Um, Science, bitch. Yeah, exactly. I like this one because it connects to our, our talk as well. Kate uh, of Nick Kent fan club fame. Um, okay. Her first gig was 1999 at Old Wembley Stadium. Oh. And it was Celine Dion. I went with my best friend and my mum for her 14th birthday. Spent the entire show waiting for my heart will go on because I didn't know about the whole save the big hit for the end thing. <laughs> She sang it eventually. My mini self uh, with the crush on Leo was thrilled. Uh, then uh, then my friend left her school bag under her seat and we nearly gave my mum a heart attack disappearing for ages going back to search for it. Oh. That's a good one. Heard from our good friend Danny Gruff as well. Danny. Danny. Danny Gruff. This is great. My first gig was the first pop idol tour at Manchester Arena, which means I've seen Will Young perform the greatest song of all time. I got so wrapped up in the whole thing, I bought a pink Gareth Gates poster, which was put on the back of my wardrobe and never saw the light of day. <laughs> How are we friends with that guy? I, I actually was at that same tour. It was at the London, it was, it was at the Docklands Arena. I went along to that, the final 10 with Darius from Darius and Zoe. Anyway, I got one more of this. I, I, think, uh, I think this is nice as well. This is a good connection. Lauren in Indiana, Lauren Heyman. Hey man. Her first gig, was New Kids on the Block in Whoa. 1990. Uh, but the first, her first That's gig without her parents is amazing. Her first gig without her parents was 
MXPX oh, really? in late 99 or early 2000 at Metro Chicago. Metro? Uh, yeah. I played there with MXPX. Yeah. Well, there you go. Hang on. Even what, better. What year? 99 or 2000. Way oh, okay. before you would have been Yeah, I played it. with them at the Metro 2008 or 2009, one of the two. And uh, the, on- the only song she's ever learned from front to back on bass was one of the MXPX songs. So, really? uh, great. Yeah, I like that callback. There's a couple of callbacks. That's a great little callback. things there. That's, that, so, that'll uh, make the show. I like that one. That'll make the, that'll make the edit. Uh. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> callback to, to having Jared Scott on there uh, a few weeks back. So, yeah, some great first gig memories there. Thank you for those, everyone. Them. That was good. That was good. That was anyway, good. Should, we, uh, should, we, should we crack on, Nicholas? Let's crack on with a dram, shall we, David? Whiskey bots roll out this week's whiskey is the Dal Winnie fifteen year old Scotch single malt blah blah blah. You know how that goes. Um, I want to pronounce it Dal Winnie because it has a W H in it. I'm excited about this because you messaged me earlier this week saying that you were very excited about my reaction to this because you think it's nothing like anything else we've done so far. Yeah, I just, I did a little bit of my Drinks by the Dram sample and it was just beautiful. And yeah, it was something just really fresh and floral. This could be a Speyside or it could be a Highland. To be honest, I'm a bit bored of looking it up. I went down a massive rabbit hole today (laughs) looking up what actually qualifies as a Speyside. And I, I just wasted so much time, mate. It can legally be called a Speyside or a Highland. All I know is it's very nice. But I do have a fun fact about it. Built in 1897, oh, yeah. it's actually currently the highest distillery in the country. Well, that's interesting, Nick, because I'm sitting here with a bottle of Dow Winnie uh, Winter's Gold. Oh, yeah. Which is different. It's a different. And I think this was a present from my dad. I mean, if someone else got it for me, I'm really sorry. Uh, which I'm sh- I'm sure we'll come we'll do this one another time, um, but we didn't both have it. So uh, what yeah. it says is the distillery was established in 1898 on the bottle. Um, it's probably built in 1897 and then they registered it in 1898. As we all know, I am quite pedantic, so <laughs> I thought I would bring that up. Dave anyway. pedantic. What's your last name? Giles. Yeah. So uh, you, what you're saying is that. It's the oldest or the highest It's the distillery. highest, yeah. Highest distillery. Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. At 1,152 feet in altitude. Wow. Yes. What's the highest distillery in the world, Dave? Because that's the highest in Scotland. What's the highest in the world? I've no idea. Is it a Tasmanian whiskey? It's not. It's not. It's American. <laughs> oh, okay. One in Colorado then, I guess. Correct. It is in Colorado. It's the Breckenridge Distillery in Colorado at 9,600 feet. Well, I never heard of it. And Nick, just another thing on the bottle. <laughs> Great story. Um, uh, uh, another thing on the bottle. Actually, it says about this, uh, from Scotland's highest and coldest distillery. Yep. Yep. Uh, but also, on the bottle, it says Highland Single Malt. Yes, they call themselves a Highland, but it is also kind of in the space side valley as it were um yeah the average annual temperature is um 6.6 degrees celsius based on what you said previously about when we were talking about a bourbon where they double heated it is that right was it bourbon was it mictus that did that what do you mean double heated where they where they had the room where they could heat it change the heat oh artificial artificial it was it was mictus wasn't it it was mictus yeah yeah artificially heated and cooled the barrels. Yes. Yeah. 
So does that does that mean that Dow Huini uh, has to be matured longer to get more flavour because it's cooler most of the year? Um, it depends on the highest and lowest temperature, how much it fluctuates, how much that right. um, whiskey is drawn Wh- into the wood and out again. This may be a reason why this is a 15. Um, I don't think they do anything younger. That may be a reason. Maybe they do do something younger. I didn't check. Yeah, it does, doesn't. The, in fairness, the winter's gold doesn't have an age on it. Right. It's. I like it. The, the winter's gold says the gentle spirit crafted by the cold, which which I think is a nice touch, isn't it? Yeah, nice, yeah. The, the gentle spirit. Um, they're acknowledging that that's their USP is the fact it's cold and high. Yeah. Which is good. Bear in mind, there's 150 odd distilleries in Scotland. You may as well. Yeah. Anyway, should we should we dive in? Let's have a taste. We, we've had um, a taste, mate. Before we get onto our tasting notes, yeah, we've had a couple of people get in contact. So oh, my have. friend Kieran, my old friend Kieran, uh, has got in contact. Kieran Griggs, and he says, "I love this whiskey. It's got a very subtle smokiness, quite a long finish, and works its way through nuts and honey and toffee. I almost want to chew it." Oh. Uh, which I thought was quite nice. So thanks, Kieran, for letting us know that. Thank you for I've that. I've not had it yet, so I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, who else we heard from, Nick? And Jeff Whiskey has been in touch. On Instagram. On Instagram. he's re- He wrote quite a long one. I'm going to take a little snippet from it. Part of his little review was, the first sip is super sweet, which then develops into a plethora of different flavours. It can only be explained by imagining a slightly charred plank of oak doused in rich honey, then vigorously swung into the middle of a heather field. And his verdict was, this dram is Dal winning. Yeah, nice. Jeff's Whiskey is, is one of our patrons, and I would recommend, if you if you like whiskey, uh, to go on his Instagram. It's just at Jeff Whiskey, uh, yeah. J-E-F-F, whiskey with no E, uh, because he does these little reviews of lots of different whiskeys. Uh, and they're they're longer than what Nick just read, and he gives them uh, ratings out of, out of six for experience, nose, taste, and value for money. Uh, and this one got 18 out of 24. So I, I like that. Yeah. So thanks, Jeff, for getting in contact. He touches on the prices that as well. This is a 36 to 38 pound bottle. Um, and yeah, it is well worth it, I think. Um, I'm going to have a little taste, Dave. I'm going to take the, the Carol Giles view of it. Okay, on the nose, while you're tasting it, on the nose, very flowery. Yeah, floral. really floral on the nose, really fresh. I'm getting pear drops. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, grass fields. Mm. Getting some of that. Right, now I'm going to take a swig. I hope you like it. I was a big dip up. I really like that. It is very floral. The aftertaste is very floral. The finish is is a strange... It's a definitely... The finish is different from anything we've had. Yeah. The slight smokiness that, that Jeff said, I completely get that. Or was that... Oh, well, I think they both mentioned it. Yeah, and it's definitely a, a, I can I know what Kira means, but it's too, it it lingers on the tongue afterwards for quite a while. That is a long finish. It feels like my tongue is being wrapped in almost an oily substance. That's a that's a very weird sensation, but a, a, a very nice flavour. It's quite it's quite pale. It's not very dark, and yeah, I'm beginning to to understand like darker flavours definitely seem to be more cakey. Yeah. Than the lighter ones. This this isn't this isn't a cakey. I'm not getting a, a cakey vibe from this. No, not as much as like a a Jura or a Highland Park or something. Yeah, that's very enjoyable. I think um, I can't remember if it was the whiskey god who said it recently. I know we ha- we've touched on this before. Um, when you, when you're getting onto 
the scotches and the single malt. It really is an experience, isn't it? Like they're just, I wouldn't want to have this. Like I, I'd want to save this. I kind of glad we just get these little ones mm. because I, I think I, I would take a long time. And I often do when I've got a bottle of scotch, it takes me a long time to go through it compared to a bourbon. Yeah. Because I want to savour it. It's not that I don't enjoy it. If, I'm not sure if I, some in many ways, I feel like I enjoy it more than bourbons. But a bourbon I find easier to drink because probably the sweetness, I'm not sure. But yeah. this is just, you just savour these, don't you? And this is definitely similar to the Talisker. This has got such a, a comforting taste that you just, yeah. just want to enjoy it. It's, it's, it's an event. I feel like I need to earn it. Yes. You know? Yes. I feel like if I haven't deserved a sit down with a nice single malt, it's, you know, I don't want it. A bourbon is what I go to every day at the moment. I'll have bourbon with food. I won't have a single malt with food. I know a lot of people do. Yes. They'll have a, ske- a steak with it or whatever. But I will, I'll drink a bourbon with anything, really, as a kind of refreshing drink with ice in between a meal. I'm fine with that. Yeah, whereas whereas this is almost a dessert, isn't it? Like it's almost like a you know post post meal, left the table, go and sit sit outside and watch the look at the stars and yeah, it's, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Sit round a fire and it, it, it's got that that vibe to it. There we go. The verdict. I like it, Nick. It's definitely different from what we've done before, particularly on the finish. The finish is where I'm really noticing the difference. Yeah, I notice it in the smell actually more. No, it's very nice. Very nice. Good dram. Good dram. Anyway, I really want to go buy the bottle, to be honest. So later on in the show, the Whiskey God will be tasting this Dalwini 15 and giving us his enormously educational tasting notes. Erotic tasting notes. Oh, <laughs> matron. <laughs> Just get the things over with. Nick, all that talk last week about Wembley. Old Wembley. Old Wembley Stadium, yeah. Oh, I was... Well, there's two things that that have made me want to bring this up. But firstly, I was... At the start of lockdown, one of the things I did, I had a big empty frame that I've been meaning to to go through and make a ticket collage of all my old sporting tickets. Oh, yeah. And one of them was was an event that happened on Sunday, the 17th of May, 1992, at Old Wembley Stadium. May. Uh, Is that an FA Cup? It was shortly after... My first gig, really, like only two months after my first gig, I went to see England versus Brazil uh, at Wembley Stadium. Okay. And, and and I got wonderful memories of this. Uh, and, and this also ties in because obviously sport, the Premier League has started back this week in this country. So yeah, it uh, feels like sports starting again. So uh, I, I think it might be a logical step that this week we uh, we perhaps now look at sporting events, big sporting events we may have may have done to and just touch touch base our on favorite, something. So, our favourite sporting events we've we've been th- to. I, I just just want to mention that that match was interesting. It ended up one all draw, and it was the one where Gary Lineker could have gone on to tie Bobby Charlton's goal scoring record right. if he'd scored, and he had a penalty and he missed it. Uh, I think <sighs> oh. I think David he chipped it. It's a really famous moment, but um, yeah, it was uh, by all accounts it was a boring game. I can't remember, but I remember my dad as we're walking around the concourse at Wembley. Obviously, I was seven years old at this point, and I vividly remember him saying. Take it all in. Open your eyes. Open your ears. Try and remember this. Like, I, and I remember there was a Brazilian man, a guy in a Brazilian shirt in front of us. Yeah. That can't have been that big partitions. And he he shouted out, "Come on, Brazil!" And then looked down at us. And I've got little flashbacks. And it was because my dad was making us make sure that we took it all in. Like this is our first time to Wembley, seeing England. And I've never watched another England football match since. 
Really? I've never seen England play football since that moment. Why? Because you just didn't want to go anymore. Well, you, rugby took over your passion. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, football's a weird one with me. I've been to a fair few football games because I've known people who have been season ticket holders at West Ham. But, and I went to a few games when I was younger. But yeah, I, I don't... I don't like the partition of the fans. I'm not a big fan of that as a sporting event. Like yeah. the, the the segregation. The segregation of fans just isn't as fun. Like and as you say, I've been to a lot of rugby matches and for me sitting next to someone from the other team is part of the fun and you get to know you have some great experiences as part of that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Everyone just mixes together and just is there for a laugh in rugby. Football is a bit more um I don't want to use the word aggressive because not everyone is. What's the word I'm looking for, Dave? Partisan. Tribal? That's, Tribal, that's not yeah. Either. On, on my little board, I've got some great ones on here. And this isn't even all of them, but obviously there's loads of rugby of which I've got I've got pretty much all of England versus the main I want to know your favourite. I want to know the one which is like really sticks in your mind. Well, the World Cup final. 2015 Rugby World Cup final at Twickenham. Right. New Zealand versus Australia. You cut, Like that to me was the pinnacle. Even though England weren't there, being at a World Cup final was just incredible. Right, right, and right, right. One of my favourite moments of that. So it was early on in the first half. One of the Australia players, one of the second row, I can't remember his name, got injured and had to come off. He'd only been on the pitch for maybe five to ten minutes, and we were sitting behind where the where the where the players were, like the behind the benches. Yeah. We had great seats. It was phenomenal. And as he's coming over to the bench, a man comes running down the stairs. And starts shouting over to the players. Yeah. And gets him and was like trying to get the steward to get the attention of this guy that's just been brought off. And he's like, I'm his dad. <laughs> and it was one of the most heartwarming things you've ever seen. This guy's just come off, biggest game of his life, World Cup final, just just been brought off. Yeah. The guy looks over, sees his dad, and his dad just does the heart sign. Oh, mate. Yeah. And it was just like so powerful. You could tell he just wanted to hug his son for yeah. being so proud. You've made it this far. I know I know you're going to be crushed that you're not on the field, but I love you. And wow. I just thought that was so powerful. Like, I was like, oh, my God. It was like, no one else, not hardly anyone in the stadium would have seen that little moment. Yeah. Uh, but there you are in a stadium as big as Twickenham, 80,000 people, and I was able to see a moment that personal between a father and a son. So you wrap that up. You had the red arrows flying over, you know, last game for Dan Carter and... Uh, and that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, it was it was great, and seeing the All Blacks, the hackers, always wonderful, and that atmosphere at that final was amazing. If anything, I think I enjoyed it more because England weren't in it. Less stress. I was able just to enjoy you it and it. be in the moment. Yeah, yeah, and I'll be in that mean. moment. Um, I think if England, I would have been a wreck if England had been in it. So that was great. <laughs> uh, Olympics. I got. To, I went to see one event at the Olympics in 2012. It was the England versus Australia. Funnily enough, they did give us access to the Olympic Park, which was great. There all day long. Yeah, uh, on the Super Saturday when Jess Ennis and um, Greg Rutherford and Mo Farrell won gold, and Don't. We, like that, we were sitting down on the on the on the bank watching the screens yeah. during the day of the rowing, and then went to it was just for me. Olympics is the best thing in the world. So I didn't make was, it to any. Well, I didn't even make it to the park that year. Completely wasted that opportunity. I mean, that was yeah, just just being at the park, incredible. Two great ones that are on here as well. Um, I've got a ticket from Miami Heat versus Orlando Magic NBA from 1996 and from 2000, July 2001. Yeah. Uh, New York Yankees versus the U New York Mets at Yankee Stadium. American sport is fun, isn't it? There's always something yeah. to look at. Well, the, in fairness, yes, but 
I've been to I've been to an American football game, but I don't have the ticket for that. I went to see Tampa versus Miami Heat. Um, I don't have a ticket for that. I don't know why. But again, that would have been a similar era, uh, like early mid nineties. But yeah, th- th- there's a lot. They're very big social occasions, aren't they? Yeah. Well, it's more social a, occasions. It's, it's never just the game. Chat. Yeah, it's never yeah. just the game that's going on. There's always something else to look at. I think my favourite difference between English sports or British sports fans and uh, American sports fans is American sports fans, the songs are defence, defence. <laughs> Whereas over here, you'll get some guy who's written a song, who's rewritten the words to... to Chumbawamba or something. To ch- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to, with puns and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I really love that. Yeah. Some sporting stories there from me. Dave Giles' sporting stories. No, oh, good man. I love, going to, I love going to live sport, especially rugby. For me, it's a, always a great day out. Yeah, anyway, we'll do more, more on sport later. Yes, more later on. <laughs> Let's go talk to the big man in the sky. Whiskey! Tell you what, it's nice for everyone to get in touch with your first gig stories. Listeners, thank you for that. Yeah, thanks everyone for, for doing that. And yeah. hopefully you'll share some sporting stories with us as well. Do you think the Whiskey God's got a first gig story? He's old. He's really old, isn't he? I, I, don't, I wonder. Whoa, whoa! whoa. Really? My first gig? I once cleaned a bone of its marrow, then handed it to the first drummer. That was cool. Then I used it as a toothpick. What, the drummer? He used a drummer as a toothpick? <laughs> I hope you mean the bone. Anyway. All right, we get it. You're old. But we're talking about, you know, proper gigs with guitars and stuff. Yeah, guitars. You know, yeah. rock and roll. I negotiated the deal that allowed Robert Johnson to sell his soul to the devil. That was a healthy commission. You should have seen his gig in Mississippi that night. <laughs> You're welcome. Wow. Thanks. Iconic. The world thanks you. You went down to the crossroads for sure. Anyway. <laughs> I'm intrigued to know that commission. God, that sounds healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you could really... Pimp out your cloud with that commission, couldn't you? <laughs> but uh, anyway, moving swiftly on, Mr. God, can you give us your tasting notes, please, for this wonderful Dal Winnie 15 year old single malt scotch whiskey? Dal Winnie 15 year tasting notes on the eyes, a very subtle golden hay or straw appearance. Very light to look at. On the nose. Very floral. Pears and sweet fruits. Dark honey notes. You will notice dashes of cinnamon spice. A sort of tartness makes an appearance as well. On the palate. Ooh. Are the eyes deceived? What lacked in color does not lack in the tasting. This scotch is bright and eye-opening. There is a strong citrus statement here. A strong sweet malted barley note is very present. But take a larger sip and notice a very pleasant floral and sour apricot note dancing with the barley. On the finish, Quick, woody. A cleansing, tingling sensation lingers as the citrus and sweet floral fruitiness fades away. 
leaving a direct malt note, which reminds you, even beyond the Dalwini 15's unexpected complexity, where all beautiful scotches really start from. Malted barley. Ta-ta. I went to the crossroad. Do-do-do-do-do. Found Robert Johnson in need. <laughs> Offered him some bourbon. Left Robert Johnson on his knees. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. But he didn't want the bourbon. Because moonshine's the devil that he needs. Do-do-do. BB, BB well, Whiskey God. Well, there we go. Muddy Whiskey Waters. <laughs> Over there. Oh, I just got see, you give him a bit of leeway, you know. Yeah. Give him an inch and he'll perform an entire album. That's what's going to happen with that. Yeah. It's nice. Blues though. album. Thank you. God sings the blues. Yeah. Um, well. Thanks, God. The whiskey. What, what are your favourite events that you've been to? I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with sporting events, to be honest. Because the big ones I've been to in stadiums, it's never ended well. It's never ended oh, well. Yeah. yeah. One of the first ones I went to was 1996, Crystal Palace versus Leicester City, Old Wembley Stadium, Division One playoff final. Went there with a few of us in the family. Palace fan. Palace fan. Yeah. You spent hours in the Palace shop on a Saturday with my cousin Chris. We painted our faces for that game and uh, someone from Leicester City in the last minute of extra time, awful shot off his shin, top corner. Absolutely <laughs> just devastated. Devastated. And that's another example of remembering things when you're young. I wouldn't be able to remember anything from a sporting event if I went last week. But the fact I remember, remember exactly it where it came off, off his, his leg. <laughs> Absolutely heartbroken. What else we got on my list of sporting disappointments? Here we go. 2015, England versus Australia Rugby World Cup. Oh, don't bring that up. I know, right? Went with my brother and my dad and it was just so depressing. It just wasn't happening and the train ride home was not Mate, fun. I but walked home. You walked home? I walked home. home. Oh yeah, you could I do that. I was so angry. I walked home. Yeah. I walked all the way home from Twickenham to Acton because I knew if I had to get, the, get it out of my system. I was yeah. so angry. So angry. We just, we played so bad. It was awful. Yeah. Anyway. So that wasn't good for me. But I'll tell you one I really did love. Really did love. 2012, the Austin Grand Prix. I knew you were going to bring this up. This, this was great. It was fantastic. Circuit of the Americas. Um, went on a little holiday. New, New York City, Austin, then LA. I was lucky enough to have a friend who puts the cameras on the cars. Which is super cool because super when cool. you watch Grand Prix, those camp, like those shots from the cars are so cool. They're so cool. And to yeah. know the guy that adds that camera on is pretty cool. Yeah, there was a team. He wasn't there that weekend, but he'd sorted me out a weekend pass, including a tour around the pit lane. Oh my God. After qualifying. But his boss took me around. He could get in places probably better than my mate could have. So actually, I'll take you back a little bit, which made this whole weekend even weirder. I had a weekend pass, but I went there by myself because I just couldn't work out anyone I knew in Austin or anyone who could come, this, that, and the other. So there was a shuttle bus to the circuit. So I went in Austin to um, just go and get this shuttle bus. 
I'm just standing there. I end up getting talking to a girl next to me who ended up being on her own as well. She was a local girl. And it turns out we'd met each other a few years before. Yes, Dave, at Warp Tour. No, get out of town. Yeah. She had come on our TAT tour bus. She knew one of the other bands, I think it's Less Than Jake or something like that. Clang. To meet Tatiana. <laughs> well, no, that's who she knew. You know, she knew someone from one of the other bands. I think it was Less Than Jake. Um, and we got chatting and we realised we'd met each other on our tour bus three years before. No way. And then we end up in a queue next to each other after going by ourselves to this, to this thing. So I was like, you know, after a, quite a long <laughs> queue, I was like, do you want to come for a tour at the pit lane after, <laughs> after qualifying? Because I'm here by myself and so was she. And we ended up going to all the sessions together. I had a really good weekend. But um, yeah, prior to the race, got a tour of the pit lane. You know, we were taken through the Red Bull garage. Can imagine walking through the back and seeing the two oh Red Bull God. cars there. You're not ever allowed to see the back of the cars usually. And took us through the garage, two Red Bull cars sitting there, through to the front where the, the safety car was. The Red Bull mechanic came out with one of the steering wheels, showing us the steering wheels, all the buttons oh do, all that God. kind of stuff. All the wings Which for are you, set ben, out. I, I mean, for those who don't know, Nick is a massive Formula One fan as massive. well. So I've been watching since I was eight. This is your main main sport, like sport and interest is Formula One. So this is like, yeah, this it. is manna from heaven for you, right? This is... Yeah, never been able to go to a race because, you know, scheduling or they are really expensive to go to as well. Yeah. But luckily, and it's was, only ever one in England a year. Yeah. And it's hard to get <laughs> in and we're usually gigging yeah. or something. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So we got to walk up and down the pit lane and like all the front wings are out and, oh. Do you have a camera with you? Mate, yeah. <laughs> of course I did. I got some great, <laughs> great pictures. Awesome. We'll put some of them up. And a lot of sunburn. <laughs> a lot of sunburn. Good Lord. It was an amazing race. You know, obviously that event, the, the fact I could go see that made it amazing. But the race was great as well because I got a seat sorry no I found a space up on the first corner which is really high and quite, it's like a hairpin it's really tight and you could see the whole track and you had a big screen in front of you so you knew what was going on around the track and all that kind of stuff but I remember seeing say I saw Jensen Button take Michael Schumacher on the inside of that corner right oh, in front amazing. of me and this is also back when it was V8 engines so it's loud so it's loud before it went hybrid I got to see hear the V8 engine which I'm so happy I got to hear and that's when that start line when they all rev up oh, for the start it was is, brilliant because I was I didn't see the V8 era but it was loud when I went yeah uh, just that start was I. that was a sensation that you would you would never understand and my, my other thoughts on Formula 1 when you're there in person is it gives you a complete new respect and understanding for what they're doing that you don't get on TV because you get perspective because your your perspective of how fast they are going and how close they are to each other yeah. is completely different in real life than what it what it appears on TV. Yeah, because the camera kind of zooms like, out and it you know, gets rid of that. Yeah, it's moving a little speed. bit. Exactly. Yeah. And just having having your own eyes to see two points and seeing that car go from that point to that point yeah. in that amount of time, you're like, whoa. It was fantastic. great. But in that one as well, that was when Hamilton took Vettel to take the win. And that was, ended up being Hamilton's last win for McLaren because he moved oh, to Mercedes nice. the next year. Yeah. So that was great. But then it got even better because we hung around, because we had a pass, like which looked legit. We kind of went to try and kind of try our luck to get back into the paddock again. 
So we kind of hung around and they saw the podium bit and, and we were by the paddock for a little bit. One of the Lotus mechanics, now Renault, had left a little gap in the fence for him to sneak out and have a cigarette. <laughs> right? So we saw this and just kind of darted through there like we were meant to be there. The mechanic did not give a crap. He just, we just walked through. Um, and suddenly we were in the paddock. Again, you know, trying to dodge forklift trucks and stuff. And up the end, we see a sea of red, which ended up being the rocket red of McLaren, who were posing to have their winning team photo. You didn't photobomb it? No, but I got my own little snap on my phone of it, you know, just over the back and stuff like that. No, I did a lot of photobombing later, which I'll get to. (laughs) But at that point, I didn't know. I I thought it was a bit late because I've been hanging around forever. But that was the bit where... All the pundits were interviewing everyone. I was the twat in the back of those shots while they were interviewing. Yeah, with my sunglasses. <laughs> I looked like a, I looked like a private detective from the twenties or something because I had the, I had like a trilby hat or something with some big like sunglasses because I couldn't take them off because I was sunburnt. <laughs> and there I was in the back taking pictures with my camera, pretending I was meant to be there. And then I was getting texts on my phone from, you know, cousins and my mum and stuff saying, we've just seen you on TV. What are you doing? (laughs) And I was just being, you know, I was being that complete arse in the background of the shots. Oh, that's amazing. And yeah, and it was fun. I got to chat like Holly Valance. I met her and we had a chat about F1 at that point. Um, I had a a photo of Christian Horner. Who's who's the head of... Head of Red Bull Racing. Yes, Christian Horner, head of Red Bull or the, Racing. Or the team, team, team principal of Red Bull yeah. Racing. On that race, Red Bull had clinched the Constructors' Championship. And I didn't congratulate him because I didn't know, because I hadn't been watching it on TV. It wasn't clear <laughs> to me that he just won the championship. Afterwards, I was like, oh, I should have congratulated him. I want to see that photo as well. Please. Uh... I've got these. These are on my Facebook. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, these are proper pictures. But um, yeah, I know it's. A lot because I was kind of backstage, as it were. But just going to that race was amazing because I love Austin as well. It's one of my favourite cities in the world. That reminded me of... Um, sorry, I'm, I'm hijacking your section here. No, but, please, please. Um, there, there, there's a... Uh, I've got one behind a similar story. It wasn't at the sporting event. The year that England won the Rugby World Cup, which was 2003, my dad saw this event. It was Lawrence Delalio's testimonial year, which is when, when a sports player has been at a club for 10 years, they get a testimonial season. And in the past, the money raised would go for, to that. It was when sportsmen didn't have, didn't earn that much. So yeah. they'd get a bumper season, loads of events for that player. And there'd be like a match just for that player. But it, it's, as sportsmen started getting paid more, it become a charity thing. So dad saw this event come up for shortly after November, well, early December, 2003 and was like well that's after the world cup we should get a table for that so he booked a table for his company for this Lawrence Delalio benefit dinner and there was like four three or four different nights of this event right we win the world cup and the night that we had happened to be the night they came to London and did the parade oh. had the parade round London with the cup yeah they went to David Cam uh, no not David Cam who was promised then Gordon Brown maybe no Tony Blair would have been Tony Blair 2003 Went went to the proc down the street, then they went to the Queen, and then they came to us. Wow. So we had the whole team in their suits, in their like oh, mate. fancy England suits, with the trophy, Clive Woodward, all that kind of stuff, like uh, Martin Johnson, all my heroes. The only person who wasn't there was Johnny Wilkinson, who and Martin Johnson didn't come over. Those two decided not to come because they didn't want to take attention away from from Lawrence. Um 
So they didn't, they did, they got dropped off, and Johnny Wilkinson had a car crash on his way home. But that's another story. That's um, very much another but story. As as I went to the toilet, like the players hadn't arrived yet, I went to the toilet, come out just as the players, the whole arrived, and so I'm walking back to my table, and suddenly I'm in this little area, just me and and the whole squad. Yeah, with the and I'm like, I what I I didn't mean to do this. Like I'm not done anything. I was just walking through, so I'm literally shaking everyone's hands, going, "Oh my god!" And they've all got their medal on. Amazing. The only person who didn't shake my hand was Will Greenwood. Don't know why. He was like, no, man, we're right. I'm like, what? I really Idiot. didn't want to. Anyway, oh. yeah. And I've, ne- I've no, no, no idea. I was an 18-year-old kid. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I was wearing a suit. I wasn't, I wasn't looking like... I was like, this is yeah. a charity event. What? Why aren't you shaking my hand? Anyway, gets late. We have the meal, speeches, blah, 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 blah. And then there's a little VIP area where they all are. And I'm like, literally, it was a rope. Just a little rope. Yeah. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> Just went and stood by the rope. No one's looking. Leg over. Another leg over. And then I'm in. I'm in the VIP area, just walking around, having a chat, having a good old chat with Lawrence. I've got one of my favourite photos ever of Lawrence Lalio with his arm around me, pointing at me. I got a photo of myself with Mike Katz winning World Cup medal around my neck. Like, it was incredible. Really? Yeah, I split up. This is just as we met as well. This is like 2003 when we just met. Yeah, uh, I split up a fight with Josh Lucy. <laughs> Josh Lucy and I split up a fight of t- some other players that weren't England players, some other like Wasp players. There was a fight, and me and Josh Lucy wanted to split it up. Uh, my brother <laughs> tried it on with Andy Gomesall's mum, which he loves telling that story. <laughs> uh, oh, it wow. was uh, yeah, it was just one of those glory. And and um, the reason that there were loads of celebrities there. Craig Charles was there. Yeah. Uh, Charlie from Busted was there <laughs> and I've got photos with them as well like Craig Charles giving me a massive cuddle because they like because I was in the VIP area I think they thought I was a rugby player yeah so they, they all thought I was involved that's the thing you, man was, if you just if you just act like you're meant to be somewhere exactly you're good but it was like Ian Bolshaw took the photo of me and Lawrence <laughs> Lalio it was just like hi Lawrence, Ian can you take this photo like one of my heroes who just won the World Cup and, like, taking a photo of me and like amazing oh, anyway yeah. Good times. Good times. Good times. Yeah. So we got chucked out of the paddock in the end because they sussed out that uh, we uh, didn't have our credentials, as it were. But we were, we oh, were there a good no. 45 minutes. Yeah. Nice. You know what the name of the girl was? No. Do you? Dash. She didn't hang around. No. That was a joke, though. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> I was thinking about punctuation. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Whiskey and Things podcast. So, yeah, that's my uh, favourite sporting event. Um, Please let us know yours. Yeah, please get in contact if you have sports stories, if you've got behind the scenes anywhere. Yeah, behind the scenes story is always fun. Behind the scenes anything, gigs, anywhere you're not supposed to have been. We want to hear those stories. (laughs) Yes, Uh, please. Another one down, uh, Dave. Another one down. Another one down. Yeah, we, no, another no guest one. Two in a row now. I think we may have a guest lined up next week. It's yeah. not 100% confirmed, but we've got a few things lined up. We've got some really exciting we've guests. We've got some really good guests coming up. Ridiculously good guests coming up. So stick with us. Exciting. By all means, also, uh, offer us some suggestions of things you'd like Nick and I to talk about if we don't have a guest, because that would be useful for us to know. Uh, what we got coming up next week then, Nick? What whiskey are we doing? Next week, it's a special one. It's a rare one. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll say oh, it's yeah. rare. It's rare because we're doing a peated Irish whiskey next week. We're going to be sampling the Connemara. Peated Connemara. Irish whiskey, funny enough. 
Yeah. There's not many peated Irish whiskies. This might be the only one. Um, so, so yeah, we're trying it. Excellent. Tune in for our thoughts on that and the Whiskey Gods tasting notes, as always. And as always, please check out our Patreon um, or or our website. Let us know what you think of what we've been up to and please send in your comments. Yeah, if you've had the Connemara. Connemara? Calamari? Uh, if you've had, if the, you've calamari, had the calamari, peated Irish <laughs> sushi, if please you've had let us know. you've had the calamari. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to episode 14 of Whiskey and Things. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for coming. Whiskey and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.